The following is a production of SAK Digital Ventures. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, a place where you can sit back, relax, smoke a cigar, and talk about Chicago sports. Now, here's your host, Steve Cass. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, episode 19, the best place for cigars at Chicago sports. Setting the scene, we are at the place, 5236 Main Street, Downers Grove. Please come visit us one of these days at the place, 5236 Main Street, Downers Grove. By the way, you'll see a sign in the uh, in the window that says Home of Cigars and Sports Chicago, so you'll know it's the place. It's probably the only place called the place in downtown Downers Grove as well. We are uh, smoking some cigars right now, and you can follow us on Twitter at Cigars and Sports. You can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, under your couch cushions, or wherever you get your podcasts. But you know that because you're listening to a podcast. Uh, My co-host is uh, Phil Sullivan. I want to bring him in. By the way, Phil, I am smoking in celebration of the White Sox winning a San Cristobal Elegancia. And uh, how are you? How's everything going? And, uh, you know, what are you smoking? Everything's all good, uh, Steve. Um, yeah, I kind of decided to celebrate this Sox home victory myself, home uh, home opener victory, and I am enjoying a Liga Pravada T52. Nice nice smoke. Like, they have those a couple times a month, uh, just to remind me um, how good cigars can really, really be. So, great smoke. All right, uh, so despite my uh, negativity, the White Sox are off to a three and one start today was a uh, today was a really good win and I think it was a really good win particularly because the great Vince Velasquez pitched and actually let's be honest pitched pretty well um, throwing four innings giving up two hits three walks which is a bit of a problem uh, struck out a couple gave out gave up a home run um, but uh, gave up two runs but he was fine he did what he needed to do the bullpen today was very, very solid. Souza looked good. Ronaldo Lopez, you know, getting out of that inning with that strikeout, he was great. Um, Aaron Bummer, when he throws strikes, he's absolutely unhittable as he was today. Um, Kendall Graveman was really good. And it got a little scary there in the ninth with, uh, you know, with Hendricks giving up a run, but, you know, actually striking out the side. So, you know, he got the job done. But hey, man, we'll take the win. Uh, you know, thoughts on the win from you. Well, my first thought, uh, if this is how the season's going to go, uh, I'm very excited, is uh, the $20 I won off you as you went negative on our starting pitcher, saying he wouldn't last two innings. Uh, so that rang me up 10 bucks, And then uh, I gave you the choice of two homers or more, and you chose the over, which I got to admit I would have done the same. But you didn't give me a choice. So, uh, yeah. Although I, I didn't actually know you, Steve, that – I did not know that I was also betting ten bucks on the homers. I mean, since they won, I will I will gladly pay. And, and you know, really good game today um, from uh, particularly Luis Robert, who um, had a hit, an RBI, scored two runs, stole a couple of bases, um, and hit a uh, hit a line drive bomb into right center field. He is just looking absolutely unbelievable. Also made a really good catch. And I'll tell you though, you know what the highlighted game was for me and it really turned out to be a highlight was in the bottom of the eighth there when um 
when Jimenez, who's not even fast, just burned it down the line trying to kill himself to get that insurance run, which as it turned out, we needed it. When Luis Roberts scored there, I thought that was great. Um, Jimenez also made a great play in the outfield. Um, so that was that was really, really good. I thought uh, I, I thought Mr. Lopez looked awesome in relief. Um, a little bit he was in there. I thought he had uh, all his stuff working for him pretty good. And our uh, Irish buddy from Canada certainly looked pretty good today. So, uh, you know, I Irish like that. It's, buddy uh, from Canada. Starting to look good already wire. early for some of these guys. There you go. Yeah, there he had go. two hits today. The guy yeah. had two hits. He, he is a, so, he is uh, a phenomenal uh, yeah. defensive catcher also. The, guy, the guy's really good. Yeah, no, I like uh, I liked what I saw in him. So you know, like you said earlier uh, when we were talking, uh, you know, the Sox if they could just limp through, you know, the next two three weeks, and uh, you know, post a five hundred or a little better than five hundred record to get the rest of these guys back again, and uh, you know, we'll see how the season gets okay, ramped yeah, up. I, I don't think that you have to set your expectations so low because injuries are part of baseball. I mean, the, the facts are, or that, you know, the goal is they should hopefully win as many games um, as they would have won otherwise. And let's be honest. Also, they're playing crappy teams right now. Um, you know, as it turns out, um, Detroit is not off to a great start. They lost again today. Um, you know, now they're playing Seattle this week and, you know, they're going to be playing, uh, I guess, Tampa Bay at home this weekend, which will be more difficult. So they need to, you know, they need to win some games. They need to get off to a really good start. Um, the fact, you know, injuries are not an excuse and particularly because Rick Hahn evidently wasn't worried about it, which is why he went into the year this year with a lighter rotation than he did before. So um, they got to win some ball games. And the other thing is too, let's not forget, and we're going to talk about some other bum slayers that play um, at the United Center later, but let's not forget last year, the White Sox were bum slayers. Okay, let's just be honest. And they're they're bum slaying right now. So let's see what happens when they play, you know, the the good teams, particularly, um, you know, in the AL East. Let's see if they can win some games. And, you know, as they play teams like Houston, and you know, and other teams, we'll see how that goes. But you know, I'm very happy to be off to uh, you know, I'm very happy to be off to such a good start. Yeah, I, uh, I I agree with you. So just get the weather to warm up a little and have a nice April. And uh, I was also um, very impressed, if I must say, uh, yesterday with the start of one. Michael Kopech, who threw um, four innings, gave up a run and uh, had a couple innings where he looked a little shaky, but he pitched extremely well. And it's interesting because there was a story in the uh, Tribune today that in, if you ever wanted to know whether he is, I'm not going to call him a head, ca- head case, but mentally fragile. Okay, so Kopech said after his start yesterday, I have put a little extra pressure on myself because it was important to me and important meaning his first start of the year. But there's a lot of people I had in mind today. I had a two hour conversation with my dad Saturday. He helped me get in the right mindset. And I'm always thinking about my son and putting myself in a position where I can do more for his life. Today was big for me. Um, Michael Kopech, you're not curing cancer. You're not curing COVID. You're, you're pitching. Like, I don't know why you need a two hour pep talk from your father. Uh, you know, when's the last time you talked to one of your sons on the phone for two hours? <laughs> Never. 
Are they doing? Are they doing okay? Despite the fact you haven't talked yeah, to them for two hours, way. do they? Do they have to go to work every day and psych themselves up that they want to be able to like support their family and like sit around uh, when they work once every five days? And and you know, I mean, this guy is. Fr- I mean, imagine what he would have said. Imagine what he would have said if he pitched poorly. He, what, what would they have had to do? Like, you know, hide the sharp objects yeah. from him? Would they have had to like have mental health, you know, support for him in the in the friggin' clubhouse after the game? I'm just telling you, the guy pitched well, and I hope he continues to pitch well. But this guy worries me a lot. I mean, this is a this is not some child. This is a 25 year old man. You know, I mean, it's like just get your head together and and go out there and pitch. And if you don't have your head together, how about don't talk to the media about it? So people like me aren't sitting here being so worried about you and talking about you. Sorry, Michael Kopak, you pitch well. I'm glad that you talked to your father. I'm glad you can feed your family now. Hashtag Robbie Gold. But let's yeah, go. I, man. I agree with you. Yeah. Like you said, if he had lost, I wonder if he'd be looking for a new father. He would have been, uh, he would have put the blame on somebody, you know, and like the guy in Washington does. It, it probably would have been his, yeah, it probably would have been his, uh, probably would have been his father's uh, fault. You know, another thing that happened today, Phil, was as far as I can tell, um, and I think today was the first day that this happened, there were no new injuries that I know of. Wow, don't get me going on the injury thing. It's, uh, you know, when I when I saw that. Uh, let's, let's hear you talk about it. Old man yeah, ran on you that. You know, we saw, I read, I think I said, I shot you a thing. It was, I believe it was in the Atlantic today. You know, how uh, uh, Giolito, you know, had three different trainers uh, to get himself ready for the season. You know, it's back to what I'm saying about these injuries. I, I'm seeing injuries that I never saw 30, 40 years ago in baseball. Um, you know, and I don't know if the COVID era started it when the habit of if you wanted to get better, then you had to jump into the pool with everybody. And then they kind of cleared up the COVID thing. And so how to, how to you know, get to the next step was training better, maybe more muscle mass, more of this, more of that. And I, I think these guys are overtrained, but it's like the chicken and the egg theory. They got to do it because if they don't do it and everybody else is doing it, they're not going to get to the bigs. They're not going to get there. So, you know, I think the age they started some of this stuff, I think they, at a very young age, uh, they may very well be overworked compared to the old days, as I call it. But I think some of this training uh, for the sport of baseball, I think, to me, there's a question mark out there. There's something wrong. There's injuries that I never saw before. Yeah, um, certainly there's a lot of soft tissue injuries, a lot of pulls and strains and, you know, muscles that we didn't know we had. I mean, as it turns out, Giolito does not have an oblique. Uh, he has some other abdominal strain. And I'm not blaming him because, what you know, ironically, and it's sort of what you're saying, there's something about the muscles being too tight or something. I don't know what it is. Um, clearly, these guys are in ridiculous shape. I mean, just, I mean, they're just, these guys are ripped. Um, um, but it's clearly problematic, at least in, uh, you know, at least in, in many guys case, because, you know, I mean, it does appear that guys seem to get hurt and they talk about all of the science of this advanced training. Well, 
maybe somebody should make the point that because there's more injuries than ever before, that maybe there is something wrong. And I'd like to see somebody break that down as to why there are all of these soft tissue injuries. And, you know, just like you said, the guy's got three trainers and he's still getting hurt. And I'm not blaming the guy or I'm not whining and complaining. It just seems like one of those things where they'd be able to analyze some data and, you know, figure out a way to, to fix that. So I was going to bring up another baseball topic because we're in Chicago and I think that you have to bring it up. And that is if you were watching that other team and I am not a Cub fan, but you know, we've got to, you know, we got to talk about this a little bit. This guy, say of Suzuki hit two more home runs today. The Cubs beat the minor league Pittsburgh Pirates two to one. This guy is hitting 417 with a 1.698 OPS. This guy looks like he knows how to play baseball. And I don't know how much you've watched the Cubs this year. And I have definitely watched a bit and I certainly have followed it. By the way, as far I don't hate the Cubs, but I root for the Cubs to underperform. But hey man, you know, you got to acknowledge individual performances. You know, this guy, this Suzuki guy, and I understand people are saying, oh well, you know, Fukudomi uh, did the same thing or whatever. No, I, I don't think he he did this. This guy looks like he knows how to play baseball. And yeah, they're at some point they're going to adjust to him. But coming to a you know a country that you've never been to before and never played in any American baseball before, and just picking up a bat and playing in the major leagues and playing as well as he's playing, it's it's pretty damn impressive. And he's you know he's a major reason why they're off to a three and one start as well. Not to mention the fact that let's not kid ourselves. They're they're you know getting really good pitching you know and talking about bum slayers they're not even in a major league division basically um, but hey man give them a little bit of credit and this Suzuki guy looks pretty damn yeah, good. Yeah, I uh, happen to be just glancing at the stats today. I mean, as a Southside Chicago and I spend about three minutes a year watching Cubs baseball. I couldn't even at the end of the season I couldn't name seven of their nine starters. But uh, yeah, this kid's starting off good. It's you know, but it's a long season as they always say in baseball. Uh, I, you know, I wish him nothing but the best, obviously. Not the Cubs, but he is a player. I wish nothing but the best. But, yeah, I'm going to have to, uh, since we are Chicago Cigars and Sports, I'm going to have to tune up a little bit more of my Cub knowledge. I'll just leave it with you. But, but uh, yeah, but the volume of Cubs I watch is when they play the White Sox. That's about it. By the way, it's called Cigars and Sports Chicago. I just want to let you know. Thanks for correcting that. I want to inform yeah. you about the name, name of the podcast. We've only done it uh, 19 times. So this weekend... It was a little bit tough to even get the TV on the White Sox at the place because you were watching the Masters. Tell me a little bit about the Masters, well, Phil. What did you think? You know, it was uh, typical Masters. It's uh, great to start the golf season off when the weather's still fairly lousy here and looking at that absolutely gorgeous piece of property that they televised that at. And of course, they've been doing... Although, for the record, I think the weather was probably worse there. It was in the 30s. Well, yeah, but the place still looks pretty nice. Uh, so, it's you know, it's a great tournament. Uh, the pressure on those guys uh, is phenomenal in that tournament. And what this Scotty Shuffler did, you know, 25-year-old in, in golf, it's a kid, but it, it, you just got mentioned about Kopech being a man. So, this 25-year-old man, uh, if you haven't been following him this year, he's won four of his six starts this year. He's pocketed about $8.5 million. Uh, 2.5, I think, came just from the Masters alone, uh, let alone all the exceptions you get for winning the Masters, which I believe is a membership at Augusta, lifetime being able to play in the tournament. Uh, it goes on and on, but it's a, a wonderful accomplishment for this young man who looks certainly well-grounded, uh, great family. It looked like he had there. 
so I wish this kid nothing but the best. But with all that pressure he had on him, it was kind of funny on the uh, last hole of the tournament. He three-putted from about three feet away. So I think a lot of hackers like myself certainly got a, got a chuckle out of it. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, you know, watching the guy miss three putts from three or take three putts to get the ball in from about three feet away. Uh, thank God he had a five-stroke lead. So, But, no, Masters tournament went off well. Of course, the story of the tournament, for most of it, was Tiger Woods coming back from his horrific injury that he, you know, basically almost lost his leg. And I think it took a toll on him, at, uh, you know, the second two days. Uh, he certainly had a noticeable limp. Uh, his golf game, you know, he finished close to the bottom of the barrel in the tournament. But kudos to Tiger, 46 years old after that horrific injury. Uh, looks like he's definitely trying to make a strong comeback to get back into the game of golf. And the golf game is always better when he's involved. It just is. Like the guy or don't like the guy, it's a better game when he's involved. Yeah, I think I agree with all of that. Um you know, it's a little bit unfortunate for Scotty Scheffler that the truth is he got overshadowed a bit by a guy who shot a 78 on Saturday and Sunday, which is a little bit odd. Um, and I understand that, you know, it's been an, you know, I mean, certainly Tiger Woods has got to be the most driven guy in the history of sports. And all you need to know is when you saw his, you know, his post round media, how he was already talking about, um, you know, the British open and that St. Andrews is his favorite, you know, his favorite course. And he's definitely playing there. It just shows you that he is focused on golf. If you think that he doesn't care that much about golf anymore or whatever, no, he cares. And any tournament that he enters, he enters it with one goal and that's to win. So the reality is he is playing golf to win. Uh, you know, I, I would guess that he is not going to play in the U.S. Open, you know, although my guess is also that if, if his leg feels all right, maybe he is. Um, but he's clearly sort of, you know, aiming himself at the British Open. And, um, you know, the guy is the guy is focused, although, you know, the the weird thing about this guy is that all of his misfortune that has occurred in his life um, has occurred as a result of himself. And, you know, hey, man, we all make mistakes or whatever, but it's just tough when, you know, or, and maybe tough is not the right word, but people are just fawning all over this guy. Meanwhile, he was going 85 and a 40. You know, we don't know anything about his toxicology. We don't know how, I mean, he could have killed himself or others in that accident. You know, he was not in any way sort of held accountable for it. You know, he was, his health was, but, you know, again, I'm not trashing the guy and I don't dislike the guy. And I think he's arguably the most incredible athlete in any sport of our lifetime. So I want to go as far as saying that, because I believe it. Um, but yeah. And, and I also agree with you that, um, that clearly golf is a better sport with him in it. And I have not looked at the TV ratings this week, which I should have, but I'm sure that they were far better, um, you know, as a result of tiger playing. Well, if you want to get an idea of his constant popularity, uh, you know, in about the middle of his career, he held what they call a uh, – uh, he had the Grand Slam. He had the four major titles. He didn't win them all in one year, but he had all four titles. You know, in his, Tiger Slam. The Tiger Slam. Uh, I don't know if you caught a little thing, but they just auctioned off the set of irons that he used in all four of those tournaments, and those irons sold for $5 million. 
So if you want to get an idea of what people think of Tiger Woods in golf or uh, his value to the game of golf, that uh, that kind of sums it up right there. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And let's talk about some other uh, bum slayers. You know, and that is the uh, non-future world champion Chicago Bulls. One of the most bizarre seasons that I can really remember um, in Chicago sports in a long time. The Bulls have not made the playoffs for about six years. And this year they make the playoffs. There really wasn't much doubt that they were going to make the playoffs. Although in the end they did land in six, but they stayed out of the, they stayed out of the plan. But you would think that we would be excited that they're in the playoffs. And, you know, it's interesting as you think about when things started falling apart, I believe that I may have been there at the moment that it started falling apart because I think it happened at that game in Milwaukee when Caruso broke his wrist, you know, that Grayson Allen play. And, you know, shortly thereafter, ball went down. And, you know, I'm not saying that it's because of, because of injury, but they just were no longer a very competitive or very good defensive team after that. You know, we always talk about the injuries and now, you know, it's all because of Lonzo Ball and before it was all because of Caruso. And by the way, would they be a better team with Lonzo Ball? Yeah. Might he be the best perimeter defender, you know, in the NBA? Yeah. I mean, it's entirely possible, you know, are they light on three point shooting and is he, you know, is that a strength of his? Yeah. So yeah, they'd be a better team with Lonzo Ball, but it's really been disappointing since the all-star break. You know, they were seven and, you know, seven and 14. Uh, They won that G League game against minnesota at the end of the season the other night um but uh, so how are you feeling about this buck series well you know you, you you mentioned at the beginning of their downfall in your opinion was a particular game in milwaukee uh the end of their downfall is going to be with milwaukee uh the greek freak yeah. is it's just going to be i think primed and, and ready he will destroy they, they've got nobody to defend that guy um you know, Cruz is a good defender, you know, on the perimeter, but I, they're going to get destroyed by Milwaukee. That's just my opinion. It'll be a quick uh, four games and out, and Milwaukee will just rest up a little bit for their next opponent. But it's a shame the Bulls certainly had a lot of promise in October and November. Uh, you know, the injury bug, you know, like you said, it happens to all teams. You know, you just got to work your way through it. But uh, I, I don't think they even, without the injury bug, I, I still never thought, into that they had an elite team in the NBA yet. But their season and the playoffs, I think, would have been a little more exciting if they could have stayed healthy. Well, the playoffs haven't happened, so I mean, I guess in theory... No, I I meant the playoffs would have been a little more exciting as a Bulls fan, I think, if those injuries could have been avoided. Well, no, I mean, yeah, but, but... uh, you know, every team has injuries. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, 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 I get know. that. I just think more than ever, you can't use injuries as an excuse. And the, um, you know, here's the thing. I don't expect the Bulls to win a game. I mean, I don't know, man. Best of seven, maybe they win a game. Uh, I don't know. Like, maybe they'll lose in five. But I don't really see, based on what I've seen from this team, you know, over the last 40 games or so, I don't really see how they're going to win a game. I agree with you. I mean, you talked about a little bit earlier about last year's White Sox being, you know, uh, you know, dweller killers. Uh, the Bulls certainly did a good job at that this year themselves. Uh, they, they had an awful time playing some of the better teams this year. And 
you know, that's what that's what the playoffs is all about. That's what they're going to see. So I, I, I don't give them a chance. They're going to be out in four games. I have a horrible thing that I, I have to say, but I think it's I think it's true. So this offseason, we've talked about this before. If the Bulls want to retain um, Zach Levine, they're going to have to sign him to a max contract because if they don't sign him to a max contract, somebody else will. And the reason that guys always sign you know, with their current teams when the max deals because you have the ability to give them um, the extra year and give them more money on the same team. But if they decide not to do that, meaning give them the max contract, he can just sort of go to the highest bidder, which, you know, he'll, he would likely go to a crappy, first of all, he would go somewhere else because he'd be offended, but he'd go to a crappy team that would offer him a max contract. So here's what I, I have a friend of mine that made a proposal to me that ran an idea by me that I would like to run by you. And I think this has to happen. The Bulls should sign Zach Levine to a max deal and sign and trade him to the Lakers for Anthony Davis. You know, the the Bulls need more size. I'm really not sure that um, Zach Levine, I hate saying it, I, you know, I loved Zach. He's been our best player for a number of years. You know, I have nothing bad to say about him except for the fact that if you look at all the advanced metrics, he's not a very effective player. We learned this year what a star player looks like because we had one in DeMar DeRozan. Um, and that's a guy, I mean, that was the difference this year. That's why we made the playoffs. It's because of DeMar DeRozan. And I'm just telling you that I understand that Anthony Davis has his shortcomings, but he is an eight-time All-Star. He's from Chicago. I'm sure he would be, you know, he would accept the trade here. He missed, you know, he generally does miss a lot of time and he missed a hell of a lot of time this year. But I think I'd make that deal in about five seconds. What do you think about signing trade Zach Levine um, to the, and by the way, Zach Levine would be, would be fine going to the Lakers. You know, he went to UCLA, but how do you feel about uh, Zach Levine to the Lakers for Anthony Davis? You know, I, 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 I like Zach Levine. I, I, he's a, he's good for the team. I, I like his, uh, the way he plays. Uh, you, you compare to Anthony Davis, how much is left in the tank with Anthony Davis. Uh, you probably got it down what his age is. I'm not sure how old this guy is, but and uh, the fact that he is oft injured. So, you know, is he coming to Chicago then as a novelty because he wants to come home and the fans will you know, like the guy. There's no doubt you're going to like the guy. But, you know, I, I would rather see a guy that can uh, stick around for four or five years and a team get built around if it's a superstar in that aspect. I don't know what Anthony Davis got left in the tank as far as uh, – quality years left in the NBA. He's 29. He's got plenty of years left in the tank as far as I'm concerned. Zach Levine has got a bum knee. He's certainly going to have to have that thing cleaned up in the offseason. It's the same knee that he had reconstructed before. I, if you want to ask me who doesn't have any, you know, who doesn't have um, anything in the tank or who's got too much tread on the tires, I actually worry that that's Zach Levine. And, you know, I give him credit. He played through, you know, probably some pain this year with that knee problem. Then, you know, his numbers were you know, his basic numbers were generally pretty good. I mean, he averaged 24 points a game, you know, about four assists and four rebounds. But I don't know, man. We know we have to do something different. We know we've got to get more size. Um, we have to get more defense, more three-point shoot. I mean, it's not like Zach Levine's playing any defense. I mean, he 
tries a little bit, but you know, he's no great defensive player. I'm telling you, man, that that's the move. You heard it here first. If it happens, um, sign and trade Zach Levine for Anthony Davis. I wouldn't even shudder at that for a second. I, I want Anthony Davis and Zach Levine. Sorry. I'm not just going to let him walk out of here. I'm not saying that they're a better team with him just gone, but I, if they would make that deal, I'd take it in a second. So Phil, I got a little um, bonus content for you before we wrap it up on Cigars and Sports Chicago. That's the name of this podcast. I just wanted to tell you. So very interesting. I saw a Sports Illustrating rate, Sports Illustrated rating um, pre-draft, at least to this point, what NFL teams have had the best and worst off seasons. And there was a team who was rated as having the 32nd best off season and um, was the only team to get a grade of F so far in the off season this season. And that, by the way, was our Chicago Bears. The beloved so Bears. I have a really, yeah. So I have a really um, interesting question to ask you, and I have not prepared you for this in any way. So here, here's my question for you. I would like you to name on the Bears their two best offensive players. And you need to say that based on their NFL history, their best two offensive players. And in describing them, you're not allowed to use the terms, I think, or hope. Who are the Bears' two best offensive players by resume? No potential. No, I think, I hope. I can't answer it. I, I, it's because of their, who's their best it's, offensive it's, player? It's pathetic. I mean, you got to start with their quarterback, you know, and then you know, and the receiving end. Yeah, you know, I, I can't. I, I don't even want to venture there, Steve. I don't want to embarrass myself because the team's just too embarrassing right now. I think the Bears right now are somewhere between a zero and two win team. They have got the least talented roster in the NFL and they're clearly in a rebuild. I mean, they're signing everybody to one year deals and, you know, they went and lost two compensatory picks for signing guys to one year deals, which, you know, clearly shows that the general manager doesn't even understand how compensatory picks, you know, work. It does at least tell me that whether it's going to work or not, I don't know, but certainly this year is going to be a disaster. I mean, we already know that. And based on the fact that they're signing everyone to one-year deals shows you that it is a complete rebuild. And I think they're going to sell the fact that their roster is so bad to all these undrafted free agents. You know, they're going to probably get, you know, a bunch of premium undrafted free agents after their, you know, six picks, which hopefully they will pick wisely. And I guess, you know, we'll see. Maybe, maybe that'll work out well. But man. It's it's bad. I mean, you know, if you know, back to your question. I mean, Darnell Mooney, you know, or Dave Montgomery. I don't know, uh, but it's it's just there's nothing. To, everything's embarrassing. Justin Fields is still a he's still a question mark. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, I'm optimistic is. about him, right. but he's a complete question mark. Right, he's a question mark. No doubt about it. What is Darnell, Darnell Mooney's probably? The fiftieth best receiver in the and NFL. I, I mean, he's a nice player. He's a nice but player. You asked me but he's a, probably the fiftieth best player. But you asked me about the Bears, and that's the how pathetic right. the Bears are. That's when they end up with their best receiver being the fiftieth best in the league. It's pathetic, and it starts with that leadership. They, it starts with the ownership. It starts with the leadership. That uh, once again, well, God bless Virginia McCaskey. She's had a great life. That team is not going to change until she meets the maker. I'm telling you. Well. Uh, 
I'm not going big picture. I'm just saying it's an interesting question if you challenge yourself to it. Who are the best two players on that offense? And you, you know, you said the name David Montgomery, and yes, David Montgomery, he's a good player, or whatever. Dave Montgomery ain't going to be here at the beginning of the season. Dave Montgomery, um, either the night of the, you know, the, the night one of the draft or the day before the draft. I mean, if you can get a third for David Montgomery or if you could get like a second and a fifth, I mean, he's a running back and he's, and you're going to, you're, you're going to have to do something with him after next year. It's his fourth year. So then he'll have his, you know, his, uh, fifth year option on his rookie contract, which they could pick up. And then they have to pay him after that, not paying a running back. And you know, you can get running backs and you know, they, you know, and, and, you know, Khalil Herbert is fine and they're not going to win anyway. They will trade David Montgomery. There is no way. I mean, it's just a matter of where and it's a matter of what they can get for him. Now, I would be disappointed if they can't get a third for him at least. You know, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they end up dealing him for a fourth, but there's no way in hell that Dave Montgomery is going to be on this team. And I still believe that there's no way in hell that Robert Quinn, you know, is going to be on this team either. Because again, if you're rebuilding, you know, are those guys going to be here when you win, like when you win a Super Bowl? Well, Dave Montgomery. Maybe he could be here this year and next year, but he ain't going to be here any longer than that. And pretty much the same with Robert Quinn. I mean, he's an older player. And again, nothing bad about those guys. They're good. I'm just saying they're just not going to be here when they win. So you might as well just get some picks and, you know, just rip the thing down and draft some guys. But I just thought that was an interesting question. Yeah, it was. Maybe they could build a team around Cole Komet or something. Who knows? Uh, It's just bad as a bear fan it's 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 some dark times right now let me tell you right. so phil um that is uh that's it for episode 19 cigars and sports chicago it's been a robust conversation thank you for attending today thanks a lot thanks everybody for listening at cigars and sports chicago episode 19 we're out thanks a lot bye adios that's all empty and I don't care So my baby down by the river Who should have to come up soon for dear Sweet blossom, come on under the willow We can have high times if you look back We can discover the wonders of nature Rolling in the brushes down by the riverside